Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. We got a lot to get to. Guys, we knew this thing would be interesting to say the least. Um, it is interesting to say the least with Tennessee football as uh, the volunteers trying to work towards getting ready for South Carolina. Doing so shorthanded. Uh, don't, don't have a full complement, a full deck of players due to um, a lot of contact tracing that uh, has put guys in quarantine for 14 days. Uh, we're seeing um, college games across the country. A couple of them have been canceled in the Big 12 already. So my question to you as we open up the podcast is this. Are, are you more worried about games getting canceled in the SEC based on what we've seen with a couple of Big 12 games? Are you more worried about teams potentially looking like somewhat like Navy looked on um, Monday night against BYU and a team that had not had a full complement and had chosen on their own accord to not have any contact and not have any scrimmage work um, in the preseason? What, what worries you the most about the outlook of college football? All of the above, Rob. Yeah, that would be my answer. I mean, like, you know, because I, 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 you know, from, to, from all accounts, I know they've had their, their investigation going on out in South Carolina, but from a COVID standpoint, they've not really been affected in a good long while. They've been, they've been you know, really healthy as far as not having COVID, not having a lot of kids missed due to contact tracing. So they've been able to matriculate through fall camp and do it at a, a pace that allows them to be successful. Tennessee, not so much here lately, as they've gotten just mutilated uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks due to contact tracing. And I know this, uh, you know, my, my wife is an, an, you know, the nursing director for one of the local counties. You know, I, I don't hear names or anything, but I hear how many kids are out due to contact tracing. You know, there's X number of positive tests, which is small. And then the number of kids out because of contact tracing is ginormous. And these are at the elementary schools and the middle schools and the high schools. So naturally, this is going to take place uh, on a college campus, and, and it's why Jeremy Pruitt's so frustrated because, you know, at the end of the day, not everybody's playing by the same rules. He, he said testing wasn't the issue, Rob. You know, that, that's not the issue for, for, for Tennessee. It's the, it's the contact tracing. You know, it's guys going into 14 days of quarantine when they don't have any symptoms, and they're being told, hey, you were around somebody 15 minutes, or they, they were asked, you know, how long were you around somebody? Did you have a mask on uh, or not have a mask on? Were you socially distanced or not? And if the answer to any of those questions is no, then they're going into 14-day quarantine. And I think and that's, where, some that's cases, where Jeremy Pruitt's frustrations are. And to pile on to that, and in some of those cases, they're getting tested multiple times while in quarantine. And, you know, getting you know, those tests are coming back negative, and they're still staying in for the full 14. Right. I think is adding to the head coach's frustration – and, you know, he didn't come out and, and say he was playing by a different set of rules, but he pointedly said, I don't know what the protocol is at other towns and universities in the SEC. Yes. And, and, but, he sent in the message that he didn't think that everybody else was playing by those same rules. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly frustrated, Austin. I, I think that was very obvious that and, – and I, and I don't know that it – I think part of the frustration was he just doesn't have his team on the practice field to practice. And, and – Look, the, the, I, I use this line all the time. I mean, the earth's getting smaller in the window, to, to borrow the Apollo 13 line. I mean, I mean <laughs> kickoff is coming soon. And so every day you're missing is a magnified day. I mean, you know, 10 days ago, I think he said something to the effect, Austin, of, 
well, we got, we got time because camp's extended. Well, 10 days have passed. You don't have that kind of time. I mean, you're getting no, ready. They've, to get, got, they've got to do a manual over. burn. <laughs> you know, so the question becomes, I mean, are they going to be able to scrimmage? You know, I mean, they, they haven't been able to scrimmage yet. When, are, when is that going to happen? Some schools are, are two scrimmages in. Tennessee is yet to have their first major scrimmage. And even if they do scrimmage, how many guys are going to be out there? I mean, what's going to be the, you know, the maximum benefit of that? Well, I mean, like, you know, he says they didn't scrimmage Saturday. They did scrimmage, you know, a very small amount of, you know, situational type stuff. So, again, they're, they're getting a little bit of work in, but you're not getting to see what your football team really is. And I think Jimmy Pruitt's main thing is, to, to keep going down the analogy, you know, tree, is, you know, he doesn't want to go to a, a gunfight with a knife. And, 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 and having no, no real hard work on a consistent basis, you don't know what you have. And, you know, you could show up out there and the team could surprise you on September 26th. And you could show up out there and then they not be very good and you get beat by 30. And so, you know, I think that, you know, the frustration is, is he doesn't have his team. He doesn't know really, really, truly what he has. And, and some of the key members on this team have had to miss – and, yeah, sure, they've played a lot of football. But, you know, when you miss out a couple of weeks in fall camp, that's a big deal, no matter whether you played a lot of football or not. Well, for the last two workouts, which included some situational scrimmage stuff, they've had one scholarship running back on the field, and that's Ty Chandler. Now, the other ones aren't all in quarantine because they're dealing with some, some other nagging injuries and some things like that. But, that, you know, in fall camp, they've had one scholarship um, – running back on the practice field and have been without essentially the core of their right side of the offensive line uh, for the last week or so. So, uh, you know, there, there's where the, you know, there's where the frustrations lie. Um, now to, to some of the positives of these things, Austin, uh, I think a guy that, you know, for all of the talk for 10 days, um, two weeks about freshman receivers, freshman receivers, freshman receivers, guy like Cedric Tillman, who was a forgotten man by a lot of people because there was no spring practice, didn't do a whole lot last year, seems like he's made some noise. He's taken advantage of some opportunities he's gotten uh, over the course of the last 10 days. Isn't that what you're getting? Well, yes, and yes, last 10 days. But he was making headway well before that. Okay. When we were talking on the and in chats and then stuff two and a half, three weeks ago, you know, and people were asking who the starting receivers were, I continued to be told Cedric Tillman has a real shot to win the job. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> because I'm like, where did this come from? And, and they all talked about the off-season strides that he had made, which is why last, last week when we talked to Jim Chaney, I asked Jim Chaney about Cedric Tillman, you know, because of the strides he had made. And, again, this is a kid now that's in year three in the program and just understanding it, a kid that, you know, had Tyson Helton not got a call from Clay Helton and said, hey, you ought to take a look at this kid. Who knows where he ends up going to play uh, college football? Instead, Tennessee able to get him at the 13th hour and uh, could prove to be a, a key piece to the puzzle this year. That's what I was going to ask you, if he ends up, you know, not even if he's not a starter, but if he ends up being a meaningful player over the next two years, what, I mean, that's a crazy story. Because, I mean, he hadn't surfaced to like the last seven, ten days of that first – Crazy January. Came here, had never been here. Yeah, he never and, got to and visit. Nobody had ever seen him live. Yes, that's right. That's right. That nobody had seen him live. That's one of the one of the crazy things. But you know, he's got the size, he's got the tools, and you know, I think 
yes, I mean, he's a, he's a prime example of a guy benefiting from having the same position coach, the same offensive coordinator, you know, in the same system for back-to-back years. You know, I mean, it, it has to make a difference. And I know what, that the focus on that, that conversation centers around Jerry Garantano, but it's not just Jared, Rob. It, it's for all those guys, some continuity on that side of the ball for the first time has to help. Look, look how much better Tennessee's defense was in year two under Jeremy Pruitt than they were in year one as they started to figure some things out. It, it has to help, not just for the quarterbacks, but also for a guy like Cedric Tillman. And, it, and if you go talk, same th- talking about the defense, and it's the same thing for a guy like Tillman, the defense wasn't better because they suddenly had a huge influx of talent. I mean, yes, Henry T was really good for a freshman. Aubrey Solomon was solid, but I mean, he wasn't an all-ACC player. It was guys like Matthew Butler, Nigel Warrior, Sean Schamberger, the two sophomore quarterbacks. I mean, guys, like you say, that were in the system and benefited from knowing what to do, having some confidence because they knew what to do. And, I mean, that sounds to me like what's happened with Tillman. I'm not, I don't think anybody's saying he's going to be an all-ACC player, but I don't think anybody ever saw him you know, seriously challenging for a starting job here. Austin, how much competition do you think there is in the back end of the defense with, with a guy like – like we get a lot of questions about, about Keyshawn Lawrence and, uh, you know, we've heard a lot about slaughter speed. What kind of competition do you think is going on in, in the back end of the, of the secondary? I mean, I think there is one, but I still think, you know, if, I, if you were – you know, if you were going to ask me who starts against South Carolina, I would take Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers. With Schamberger at nickel and then Thompson and nickel. Taylor. Yeah, the, the veterans right. essentially. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, and I, and I think that you know Tennessee's in good shape at corner because not only is Warren Burrell a year older, um, you know, but Kenneth George continues to make you know huge strides. Hey, and you know that's another kid, kind of like Cedric Tillman. Yeah. It, it, honestly, when you really look at it, when you look at Garland, <laughs> Tillman. And, and, and Kenneth George, those are guys that Tennessee took literally. I mean, Cinderella was waiting on the clock to strike midnight, and, and, and they took those kids. I mean, that, that's, you know, if you had told me three years ago those guys are going to be factors, I would have probably told you you're crazy. But those guys have just kind of worked themselves into being consistent contributors. And a lot of it t- goes back to, one, the coaches being able to see it, and, and say, hey, this kid's got something. We feel like we can help develop that into something. And then, two, the kid is putting in the work. And then, three, just time. I mean, again, we talked about this the other day, the amount of time that you invest in a kid and the development stage of things, for that, all that to mesh, just it, it says a lot about the coaches and where the players are. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some potentially really good stories on, on this football team with guys contributing that landed here in bizarre ways or landed here in unorthodox ways, if you will, um, you know, which is a credit to their work ethic and a credit to the evaluation, you know, of guys, as you were going, as you said, you know, Austin. And, you know, I think that's part of Jeremy Pruitt's frustration, too. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, Austin, but. I think the frustration is he feels like this team's got a chance to be a pretty good football team or, you know, well, but, but, but they're getting, it's, it's getting messed up right now. And I think that bothers him a great deal as well. Correct. Now, Jim Harbaugh said he, he can get his team ready to go in two weeks. So <laughs> I, I think, I, I don't think that, that I, I know coach Pruitt probably feels like that, the you know, the, the earth is getting big in the window, 
but I think the biggest thing is they've got to get some kind of resolution on the contact tracing and have everybody playing under the same umbrella this week. If everybody's playing under the same umbrella, then I think everything will, you know, everybody will have time and you'll be able to figure some things out. But if not, then what a cluster. I don't think Jim Harbaugh has to worry about getting his team ready in two weeks, Rob Lewis, because that that thing died in a hurry, didn't it? I wonder what he's been doing with the four and five weeks he's been getting the last three or four years. (laughs) That worked out too well for him, has it? No, you you talk about the stories on this football team, though. Like Darrell Middleton, a guy that, you know, took 14 different ways to get back here. Um, You know, the, the guys we just talked about, um, even a guy like Josh Palmer, who, you know, had played very little ball when, when you know, Butch Jones and company signed him. And, uh, and then Bob Welton told me that he's going to be better than T. Higgins. Um, <laughs> now, but I do think he, he's turned into a really good player. Yes. Yes. That, that's been one they hit on, okay? That, that, all jokes aside, that, that's, that's one that, 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 those, that previous staff hit on, and he's been really solid. And he's another kid, though, that didn't have a lot of football before he got here. Played very little football as far as, like, you know, number of years played before he got here after he had moved down from Canada. Yep, beat out Syracuse for him. You're right. There's a lot of stories like that on this team. And there's a lot of guys who, you know, have developed. And and the coaching staff deserves credit for that. And those individuals deserve a lot of credit for that as well. So this week's storylines are contact tracing, one. Right. What, what's the football besides contract tracing and virus stuff? And I know that's number one and it ain't even close. What's the other storylines you think for this football team this week as you as you get within a couple of weeks of playing a game here? Well, can the defensive line start to make any kind of headway if they're not? And I think that's where Coach Pruitt's annoyed. They're not making plays against an offensive line that's missing a bunch of guys. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was going to say. I, I thought his comment on Saturday was really pointed. I mean, I thought he, I thought that was throwing down the gauntlet. I mean, because it was kind of unprompted. It wasn't like he asked – I don't – I have to go back and look, but I don't think he got asked specifically about the defensive line. I think it was just like, what have you – you know, what have you liked? What have you – you know, what well, have you not? I asked him what he – about the mentality of his team with all that they're having to deal with right now, the uncertainties. And out of that question came – you know, our offense, our, our, our offensive line, I like what they've done, and our defensive line's a far cry from where we need to be. Uh, you know, I haven't liked yeah. that or whatever the quote was. It had I did not ask him about it. Yeah, and as, as Austin said, based off what we're hearing, you know, there's some guys that were expected to be starters that haven't been around on the offensive line. Yeah. Which, any, any chance there's Cade, May news, Cade Mays news this week? I'm going to say yes, but I have no idea if that's the case. I mean, I could or they couldn't. Well, no. Nobody knows, right? No one, no, no one, no one knows. I mean, the, you know, the, you know, as well as I do, they're just going to get a letter or email or whatever. It's going to come down from the NCAA. And, you know, it's not like any of us have access to the email that it's going to be sent to. So, I mean, nobody does. So, yeah. Tennessee's, you know, compliance offices go look up and go, oh, we won. Or, oh, denied. And Yeah, I mean, there's no, no way anybody's got a timetable. So, it's just a guess. It could come literally any day. Um, and that might be two weeks from now, or that could be tomorrow. So that, that's the way that one goes. All right, let's, let's jump around to a couple other things right quick before um, we, we head out to – anything besides the D-line you think is a big storyline this week of note for this team? Uh, can, 
it's just it's really just about getting guys back. I mean, getting the right. running backs back. I mean, uh, you know, not just the quarantine guys. Getting some guy, getting back healthy because there are some guys with some nagging injuries, right? Also. Yeah, correct. I mean, you I mean look, you got the hamstring for you know from hour. You got you know other guys dinged up a little bit. You know, but I don't think that's necessarily as big of a deal as just getting the guys, getting the most of the bodies back, especially at running back. You you brought up the fact Ty Chandler's been the only scholarship guy the last few practices. I mean, that's a big deal for a position that they are extremely thin at, so, so thin at, when you look at, you know, Eric Gray and Ty Chandler. And then after that, you've got Jabari Smalls, who's made a, had a nice little, you know, push in fall camp and showed some flashes. T. Hodge, obviously, is a little bit of a bigger bigger back version. Um, and, and then Whitehead is, you know, basically just does individual every day, and that's it because he can't do a whole lot on that foot from where he had that Liz Frank injury a year ago. And we don't have anybody else. And you're talk, I mean, every Tennessee fan in the world is excited about Eric Gray, but it's not like this kid's played a lot of football. I mean, he had two enormous games to close the year, but that's a guy that could have benefited from spring practice, could have benefited from fall camp. And, again, you're a sprained ankle or whatever away from being a nightmare at that position. Yeah, really thin there. And, and again, a couple of those guys, Whitehead – or not Whitehead, but Hodge and Jabari Small is not a quarantine situation. It's just some nagging – just some nagging bumps and bruises that have limited them. I think they'll be back this week, but those guys have missed the last couple of days just for some nagging bumps and bruises. Yeah, they, they practiced hard at Briarcrest and at Maryville, but it ain't the same as going through fall camp yeah, in the SEC. It is a little bit different, that's for sure. Hey, a couple of quick recruiting things here before we wrap up this Tuesday edition of the, of the podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. I want to go to Dallin Hayden. Pretty remarkable, Austin, what he's done at Christian Brothers to start the year here is Dallin Hayden becoming a legitimate running back prospect for a bunch of teams around the country? I know Ohio State has said that. Do you think he's found a position at running back um, when it's been kind of assumed for the last couple of years he would factor in somewhere in the secondary? Well, again, a year ago he ran for less yards than he's run for in the first three weeks. So I think that it's natural to say, oh, wow, running back. And, and that's where he's going to be. And I probably do think he's going to end up there, but I think that the whole notion of him playing corner has been the fact that he's played predominantly at corner the first couple of years. And even last year as a sophomore, didn't have a bunch of yards. So, I mean, like, his 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 stat line and his, his huddle film weren't going to be indicative of, you know, a guy that could play tailback. Even, you know, but this year through three games, he's dominating. I mean, he's averaging 230 and three touchdowns per game, and, and has only played in ten quarters yeah, in three been, games. It's been pretty ridiculous what he's done. I mean, you know, when we were out there and, and we're visiting with, with him and, and with Aaron Hayden, who, you know, coaches there at Christian Brothers' his dad, and, and Aaron said, hey, I think he's got a chance to have a, a pretty good year, pretty pretty big year at running back. I don't think Aaron even saw this kind of start to the season coming. Uh, but he said, you know, the, the kid you know, down had pretty good natural vision. Um, Pretty impressive what he's done to this point. Certainly changing kind of the, the the landscape of his recruitment, if you will, because I think people are looking at him in a little bit different light than maybe they were back in the spring or a year ago. Well, yeah, no doubt. And, again, he continues to get more and more interest. Um, you know, and the biggest thing is just the added weight. To go from 170 to 192, he, he told us when we had him on the Nation Sunday night, he just feels different. He, he handles blows differently. And, uh, you know, has, has, if you, you know, broken 
plenty of tackles to this point through three weeks. The win last week over MUS was a huge win for Christian Brothers because if they're going to actually be a real threat coming out of that west side of, of, you know, of the private school big division, they're going to have to get by MUS, MBA, and Briarcrest. And so they've already gotten past one. Now what can happen when they play Briarcrest in a few weeks and then MBA later in the year? And he's gained 22 pounds. He, me, he, me and him must be on the same COVID um, fitness. <laughs> on, the, on the same plan, Rob Lewis. I think, that's you boys. That's I think you boys. He, I, I've maintained, okay, when you're fat and sloppy, I, I'm not really went up COVID or COVID doesn't matter. Is that the COVID doesn't matter to you? <laughs> when you eat poorly all the time, it doesn't really matter. So you're saying that the, the drive-through is open pre-COVID, post-COVID, and in the middle of COVID, right? He's just on a plateau. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit of hoops, Rob Lewis, uh, on the recruiting front. Uh, tell me a little bit about Mayshack and what's going on there with Tennessee and, and where that thing stands. Uh, yeah. I mean, within a few hours of, of people hearing this, I expect that Jemai Mayshack is going to make an announcement. Um, was told tonight it would be 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. He's obviously a California guy. And uh, I think it's going to be an Instagram live top deal. I'll post details on the board. Um, Right now, I think it's going to be just on his own personal feed, but it could end up being like the Kennedy Chandler deal was where some national guy hosted. Right? I wasn't, Can't wait for that. Yeah, I wasn't exactly clear on that. But regardless of uh, you know, what the venue is, I think, you know, here's we're, we're recording this late Tuesday or late Monday night. I think Tennessee's in good shape. I think Mike Schwartz and Rick Barnes, along with the rest of the staff, but those, those two in particular have done a great job. You know, I think he's a kid that, I think he wanted to leave the West Coast. I mean, he's got some West Coast schools in there, Arizona, Cal. But, you know, he had opportunities at USC and UCLA. He's from the L.A. area. He pretty much – he pretty clearly wanted to leave home to some degree. And um, I, right now, I think it's going to be Tennessee, which, you know, for that to happen during the, the COVID lockdown, dead period, no visits – uh, is it, pretty remarkable. It tells you a lot about how they were able to sell themselves. It tells you a lot about, you know – the staff just presented him with information, look what we've done in terms of player development. And, um, again, I, I would be surprised Tennessee doesn't get good news today. That's the number 48 player in the country. You put him with Kennedy Chandler, that automatically puts Tennessee in the conversation for having one of the top freshman backcourts in the country next season. I mean, he's never seen Tennessee face to – I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got family in North Georgia. And, but he's but been no, on campus maybe, maybe not. No, not the – no. They, wow. I mean, didn't really kind of – Mike Schwartz kind of cold-called him out of the blue a couple of months ago, started things up. And, uh, you know, Tennessee really and, – and the family's close family. They're talking about grandparents. So, that's – you know, they're a couple hours away. So, I mean, I, without that anchor, I, I think it would have been a lot different – much different for Tennessee. But he's been – you know, he's made the trip. It's not like he's not been on an airplane before and, and flown this far away from home. He's done that. And, you know, I think it's big to get a player this quality because – while he's really good, I don't think he's a, he's one and done good. And when you when you've got two wings this year who very well may be and Keon and Jaden, I, I think that's a that would be a really nice get for Tennessee, assuming that's the pick later today. So and what do you like? Go ahead. And that's Rob's roundabout way of saying Hub's fifty cent gift. <laughs> so what do you like about his game, Rob? What, Just, what do you know about I mean, his game? Before we start talking about his game, I mean, he's a really good athlete, 6'4", 185 pounds, strong, really long. He's not all hung up on his offense. 
he, he gets the defense is important. He gets that that might be what he's best at right now. And so he's not going to be a kid that is going to come in and, you know, expect to get 15 shots a game. He's not got that attitude. He's going to fit in really well with the culture here. In fact, I, I think that culture, as, as the coaches were able to kind of show it and give him examples, is, is one of the big selling points that, that appealed to him. Probably the, at, as a two-guard, probably the thing he needs to work on the most right now is, is consistency with his outside shot. I think that he could pretty clearly see what this staff has done with, with, with guys in regards to improving them as shooters. Um, really good athlete in, in transition, has a good mid-range game, something that a lot of kids just completely ignore. Um, strong, can get to the rim. And I, I will say play, the, the prospect of playing alongside Kennedy Chandler did not hurt Tennessee at, at all in this. And Tennessee going to ride that P.J. Tucker quote for the end of time, right? <laughs> <laughs> another, re, another endorsement from an NBA player about the development uh, that he had under Rick Barnes and his staff. So we'll see what happens later this afternoon on, on the basketball recruiting front. To, to the point that when I saw that on Twitter last night, I, and I wasn't watching the Lakers and Rockets, but I was like, oh, the Rockets must have won. So I went to ESPN to see the Lakers and won, but I, I just assumed that he had done something. Yeah, it was a pretty, a pretty, pretty nice ringing endorsement quote for Rick Barnes and his staff from from a guy who uh, has certainly made a lot of noise uh, with his play uh, in the NBA this season and certainly in the playoffs as well. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll continue to follow everything going on with Tennessee football. Off today, back on the practice field on Wednesday. So we'll be following that. We'll continue to follow anything on the recruiting front as well. But that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Let me tell you about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control right quick. Um, if you've got an air conditioning need, if you've got an HVAC need, this is who you need to call. You need to call them at 865-299-2290. They're going to do the right repair the right way the first time. That's their commitment to you. All of their repairs come with a one-year warranty. If you have any kind of issue, they're going to take care of it. Of course, they're running their trouble-free tune-up. You can find out more online about that. $79.99 is that. Um, so what, you can book an appointment online. They're locally owned, locally operated. They're going to take good care of you. Again, check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or on Twitter at bluehto underscore climate. Give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. That's Jeremy and his crew over at Blue Water Climate Control. They'll do a great job for you for all of your air conditioning and HVAC needs. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.